0: All right. So, how many of you guys you love to wait? One of your favorite things is waiting. Y'all love, don't you love waiting? Don't you love when things just don't happen? And you just have to wait. How many of you just love your favorite thing to do? I, I kind of. I hope there's nobody here that that this is your job. How many of you love to, to like call the cable guy to come? You know, like to install your network, your, your internet or your television stuff. You know, they give you a window, like right? We're going to be here during this window, and the window is like from Thursday until next Wednesday. We love to wait. Waiting, waiting is often not fun. We, we kind of live in an instant world. We like things now, right? We like things fast. We like things quick. Uh, we've even turned the phrase, I can't wait, into a positive statement, right? I mean, I can't wait. That's not a good thing. If you can't wait, you you don't have the ability to wait. That's not a good thing, y'all. But we've made it into a positive statement. If I say, I can't wait to see you, you know what that actually means? It means that if I don't see you right this minute, I'm not going to see you. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait for Christmas. I can't wait to go on vacation. I can't wait is not a positive statement. Now, there are examples in Scripture of people who struggled in their waiting. Uh, if you read through the Psalms, you see uh, some examples of, of the psalmists. Uh, David in particular, who struggled at times with waiting. Let's take a look at Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? with me. Uh, I'm sure that many of us, if not most of us, have prayed prayers like that uh, this year. We've prayed those prayers. How long, Lord? This thing was supposed to last two weeks. How long, Lord? When will this be over? When will will we be back to normal, right? Why not now? Lord, could I should just suggest today would be a great day. Where are you, Lord? We don't enjoy waiting, but waiting is a big part of our journey. We need to understand that waiting is a big part of our journey, and and Scripture is actually filled with stories of waiting. Scripture is filled with stories of, of men and women who waited. Abraham waited 25 years, For the birth of Isaac. God promised him a son, a son that would be the seed of promise. He was 75 years old when he got that promise. He was 99 when Isaac was born. Now Moses, Moses had to wait 40 years, twice. (laughs) Think about it, guys. 40 years twice is a lot of years. Moses had to wait 40 years twice. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He didn't want to be called a son of Pharaoh, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh. He knew that he was called to his people, his kinsmen. Defending one of his kinsmen, he actually killed a man and he had to flee. And he hid for 40 years, waiting for God's timing. He came back when he was 80. (laughs) Think about that. When is your career going to start? I think when I'm 80. His calling, his purpose, the thing that God destined for him, the most significant thing that God destined for him started when he was 80. And then for 40 years after the exodus, they wandered in the desert until he handed things to Joshua at the age of 120 and died. Jacob, we know the story of Jacob who waited for seven years For Rachel. Seven years he's willing to to wait, to work for her father so that he could marry this girl only to be tricked into marrying her sister. And then maybe the biggest story of waiting, we we read uh, at the end of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, to the time of the New Testament, 400 years of silence. 400 years. We call them the silent period. The people of God waiting 400 years to hear from God. Even Jesus. Even Jesus waited 30 years. 30 years he waited before he started his public ministry. Waiting is and always has been a part of God's plan. And a part of God's story. We we tend to believe when God calls us to something, when God gives us something, when God tells us, I'm going to do this through you. We tend to think, okay, well, wow, I better I better get ready because this is probably gonna happen like in the next day or so, maybe, maybe a week or two at the most. Often God has in mind a, a longer period of preparation than we have in mind. Left to our own devices, most of us, most of us would enter into the thing that God has called us to prematurely. We have a higher value for doing than for waiting. We see waiting a lot of times as an annoyance rather than a part of God's plans. And purpose. Think about this this quote Charles Spurgeon once said, if I had 25 years left to live, I would spend 20 of them in preparation. If I had 25 years left to live I would spend 20 in preparation Now that, that seems like a lot until you consider Jesus. Jesus had 33 years on earth. He spent 30 in preparation. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say that the worst thing that could happen to a person is to be successful before they're ready. I remember hearing Cesar Castellano, a pastor in Bogota, Colombia, say, prepare for success or it will ruin you when it comes. Waiting is something that God wants us to learn how to do. We don't like to wait. We like things to happen quickly. We we love those passages in Scripture that talk about suddenly. You know, we love it when we're reading along and then it says, and suddenly. Boy, we love that. We, we, we love the suddenlies. But there, there are also those times where, the times that the Bible calls a kairos time, that fullness of time. If you read about the, events surrounding the birth of Jesus, it says, in the fullness of time. God wants us to learn how to wait, and he actually uses waiting to grow us and to prepare us for what he is doing and for what is coming, the things that he wants us to be a part of, the things that he wants us to give ourselves to. He he wants us to wait on him To prepare us. The the truth is, most of us think that we're ready before we're ready. So we're going to take a look today just at a a couple of reasons uh, why God wants us to wait, God makes us wait, and what God is trying to accomplish in the waiting. So why does God make us wait, and how do we know God's time? has come, if if the thing that we're after is that fullness of time, if the thing that we want is to enter into that kairos moment where it's God's timing, where your opportunity and God's time meet in that perfect place, that is the place of success. That is the place of fruit. How do we know? How do we know when that time has arrived? Uh, I think that primarily God makes us wait to deliver us from self and to root us in faith to deliver us from ourselves and to root us in faith. First thing I would say is that God wants to deliver us in the waiting, God wants to deliver us from self-pity. When we've come to the end of our own strength and our own ability, and when nothing that we've tried helps or brings about the desired result, sometimes we're tempted to feel sorry for ourselves. When we've tried and we've tried and we've tried, and we just haven't achieved the result that we want, the result that we expected, Uh, it's easy to fall into the ditch of self-pity. The truth is, uh, God's timetable for most of us includes failure. God is not afraid for you to fail. The truth is, if you read the lives, the biographies of most people who have accomplished things, who have achieved success, what we would call incredible success, most of them have a list of failures that led them to that place because God uses that failure to shape us and to form us. When all of our efforts fail, we see more clearly the necessity of depending on his strength rather than our strength. Now, even some of God's best, some, some of the most famous people of God fell into the ditch of self-pity. Elijah was one. Elijah was an incredibly powerful prophet of God. We know best the story of Mount Carmel where, where Elijah goes up on the mountain and he challenges the prophets of Baal. And he says to them, you know, we'll call, we'll, we'll pray, and we'll call out to our God and we'll see which God sends down fire. And he challenges the prophets and they pray and they pray and they pray and they dance and they scream and they make noise and they cut themselves and nothing happens. And then Elijah says, now pour water on the altar. And then he calls out to the Lord, the one true God, and fire from heaven just sucks up the water from the altar. And Elijah wins the day. And in the very next chapter, after he's had this incredible victory, We read where Elijah hears that Jezebel wants to kill him and he runs and hides. He runs and hides. So he's brave and courageous before 400 false prophets, but he's afraid of one woman. That sounds about right and this is what he prays in in 1 Kings 19. It says that he sits under a broom tree, and he prays to die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors, and then in verse 10, he says, I'm the only one left, and now they're going to kill me too. When things don't go the way we expect them to go, when things don't go the way we want them to go, we all can get discouraged. Self pity is not the answer. In case nobody has told you this, self pity is not terribly attractive. In the garden, Jesus prayed, He knew what was coming. He knew he was headed to the cross. He knew what the cross entailed. Jesus was not the first person to die on a cross. He knew very well what this death would include. And he prayed in the garden, Father, if there is another way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The waiting process for you and me is to get us to the place, to get us into the place of Jesus, the place where Jesus lived. Jesus lived for the will of his Father. God will take us into the process of waiting. God will take us even through the process of disappointment to get us to the place where our prayer is not my will be done, but your will be done. Also, God makes us wait to deliver us from self-reliance. Sometimes sometimes God does something through us that is completely outside of or beyond our own ability. God shows up in a way that we didn't see coming, but we are it's obvious this was a supernatural act. Something has happened. God shows up, and unbelievable things happen. We didn't have the confidence for it. We wouldn't even say we had the faith for it, and God shows up. And we have an opportunity when that happens, typically we respond in one of two ways. One way that we tend to respond sometimes is we look in the mirror and we go, wow, I'm better than I thought. I'm better than I thought I was. The other way we respond is we look to heaven and we say, that was not me. That was not me. You can probably figure out uh, which of these responses delays your preparation and which of those responses indicates that God's time has come. God anoints your time when you embrace his time. You know, there are some times when it feels like we are painting God into a corner, trying to, You ever prayed like that? You ever prayed that prayer? God, here's what I need you to do. And this is when I need you to do it. And this is how it needs to look so that you will receive the glory. Right? But Jesus prayed, Father, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. Years ago, I was assigned a job that on the surface was the perfect job for me. Perfect job for me, the dream job. And then I got there and I realized, as I'd been there maybe a week or so, I realized that this job was so much bigger than me. And I remember sitting on my deck behind my house late one night. Everybody else had gone to bed. And I sat there and I looked up in the stars and I, I prayed this prayer God, chose the wrong guy you chose the wrong man this is way too big for me and God said I didn't bring you here to do it I brought you here so you could watch me do it God takes us into that place of waiting to remove self-reliance And create God reliance, a dependence on him. Sometimes we're delivered from self-reliance when God succeeds in places that we have failed. Sometimes it's when God just shows up in places that we are afraid to enter in. Other times it's where God shows up in places that we have failed over and over and over and over again. You've tried it 10 times every time it's failed, and then suddenly God shows up and everything's different. You know, They say that if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, they call that insanity. Sometimes it's faithfulness. Sometimes it's God. Now, I'm not suggesting that you be stubborn. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you be stubborn and that you just insist on continuing no matter how many times something fails. What I am suggesting is that obedience makes all the difference. Obedience make all, makes all the difference. And, and if God says to do it, it doesn't matter how many times it's failed. If God says to do it, we do it. Because obedience is the key to everything. Success is found in his time. Obedience is surrendering to his time. Charles Sinath, who was the founding pastor of this church, used to say, God's will done God's way will always have God's provision. God also makes us wait to deliver us from self-vindication. When we've been misjudged, or we've been falsely accused, or we've just been misunderstood, we just want people to know, right? We just want people to know the truth, and and so we want to maybe purchase a billboard. It doesn't have to be a big billboard; it just has to be big enough to see from you know several miles away. We want everyone to see, and we want printed in big, flashing letters. I was right. <laughs> Everything they said, none of what they said was true. I was right. Listen to me. I want to be vindicated. That's. That's our posture when things go wrong. But when God takes you into the place of waiting, it's not because he doesn't want you to be vindicated. It's just there's a difference in who does the vindicating. You can vindicate yourself. Or you can let God vindicate you. There's a story, it's a beautiful story. It's in all four of the Gospels of a woman who comes and she pours expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. And the disciples just don't take it very well. They they think that it's a waste. Uh, they acknowledge that you know the expense of this perfume, it could have been sold for a lot of money and the money could have been used for so many things and it could have been given to the poor. And Jesus says an interesting thing in the Matthew account. Of this story. He says, I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. When you've been misjudged, when you've been mistreated, when you've been falsely accused, you can vindicate yourself or you can wait. And if you wait, Jesus himself will vindicate you. Maybe he'll do it himself. Maybe he'll use his people to vindicate you. Jesus said everywhere the gospel was preached, this woman's story would be told. And guess what? It has been. It was just told today. God uses you and he uses me. He uses us to vindicate each other. You don't have to vindicate yourself. Part of what it means to be the body of Christ is that we stand with each other. We stand for each other. And vindication comes in God's time, not my time. Finally, God makes us wait so he can give us something better. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. A few years ago, Melissa and I were invited to the Philippines for a wedding. Uh, there was a, a young man who was getting married. We had been his sponsor parents for, for 20 years, and he was getting married flew to the Philippines, and, and the wedding was in Cebu. We flew into Manila. We spent a night in Manila, and then we went on to Cebu for the wedding. And then on the return trip, same thing, into Manila, spent the night, and then home. And the person who was doing, uh, working as my assistant at the time, uh, apologized to me profusely before we left. because She said, you know, we, we booked you going into Manila. We booked you in And she called the name of this hotel chain that I was very familiar with. I'd stayed there before, and it was going to be comfortable. I knew what to expect. It was predictable. They had a great reputation. It was going to be clean. I knew it would be nice. There There was no risk. And she said, but coming home, I couldn't get you in that hotel. It was full. And so the only place that had availability, and she called the name of this hotel that I'd never heard of. And I said, have you heard of this? And she said, no, I've, I've never heard of it either. And I just have to say, fear rose up in me. I'm thinking, oh my, where am I going to be staying? I mean, do they have in, indoor plumbing? Is it going to be clean? Am I going to be eaten alive in my sleep? What 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 is this? This could be horrible. And I was a little bit annoyed and a lot nervous. We flew over. We did the wedding. On the way back, we flew into Manila, and our friend picked us up at the airport, and they drove us to this hotel. And I'll never forget, we pulled up in front of the most unbelievable, over-the-top, extravagant resort hotel I've ever been in in my life. And my thought immediately immediately was, wow, okay, we're here for one night. Maybe we could just stay. (laughs) If it had been left up to me, I would have chosen the familiar. But God had something better. And I'm afraid that there have been many times in my life that I have insisted on now and had to settle for less than God would have provided had I been willing to wait. God calls us to wait, not not to punish us, not to take away from us. It's quite the opposite. He has more for you, and he cares way too much for you to give you what you're not ready for. I want to close with This passage from James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, let's pray. Lord, we know, we know that you want good things for us and that you make us wait because you want good things, not not because you want to take away from us, but because you want to give to us. Lord, we... uh, we confess to you today that there are many times when we run ahead and there are times when we lag behind. We want to say to you today that the desire of our heart is that we would walk in step with you. That we would go when you say go. we We would stay when you say stay. We would do when you say do. And we would wait when you say wait bend our hearts toward you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our uh, prayer teams to come and get in place as we uh, get ready to have uh, some time of ministry. And as they do that, uh, we're going to pray our offertory prayer. And um, hopefully you've uh, downloaded your app and you can use that in response to this prayer from Anselm. It goes like this. Lord, because you have made me, I owe you the whole of myself. Because you have promised so much, I owe you my whole being. I pray you, Lord, make me taste by love what I taste by knowledge. Let me know by love what I know by understanding. I owe you more than my whole self. Draw me to you, Lord, in the fullness of your love. I am wholly yours by creation. Make me all yours in love. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move here in this place. There are some who simply need to come and say, God, teach me how to wait. There are others who who need to come and say, Lord, you know what I'm waiting for. You know what I'm waiting for. I trust you. And I trust your timing. Whatever it is, whatever your need, wherever you are, uh, we have people here who would love to pray for you and pray with you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: you done <laughs> The darkest night, you can light it up, you can light it up. Oh God of revival, let hope arise, death is overcome. Love me,
0: for your goodness and your mercy toward us as we leave here today I pray that we walk in the knowledge of your love that we would feel the rhythm of your heart as we track with you and stay in step with you not ahead not lagging behind step-by-step. In Jesus' name, Amen.